Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Maseches Chagiga as we are studying the halachas of Tuma and Tahira. I want to thank Binyamin Pfeiffer who gave the last few shiurim. He may be back next week, but I had an opportunity with a three-day yontif to jump back into Maseches Chagiga. Before I get back into the daf, it's impossible to learn Maseches Chagiga on Pesach and not think a little bit about the Chagiga that was on our Seder plate, especially in the times that we're going through now, that the Chagiga on the Seder plate, the Grub points out, both in his parish on Shulchan Aruch and Hilchus Pesach, and maybe more importantly, in the Maisei Rav, which is based on real stories that happened at the time of the Vilna Gaon, based on his own actions, is the Vilna Gaon in reacting to the Ramah, who says that the egg on the Seder plate is a Zechel Churban, if we combine the two different statements of the Gra, the Gra says, Chas v'shalom. It's true that Pesach night and, Yom, and Tisha B'av, the same night of the year, so this year, if we observe Tisha B'av, it will be on a Wednesday night, just like the first Seder was on a Wednesday night. But Pesach is not the time to talk about Chorban. Pesach is the time that we talk about redemption. And therefore, the Chagiga on the plate was not a Zecher L'Chorban, but it was anticipating the fact that we will bring the carbon Chagiga in the future. It's a totally different attitude. This is actually a minhug in the Baum family. I may have mentioned this in the past. To eat an egg at the Seder. We actually eat the egg as part of Karpas, which is a whole long discussion in its own right, which relates to the Chagiga of Yudalid, so that we don't end up eating the Karim Pesach with such hunger that we would break the bones, which is a whole prohibition. This concept before we get back into our daf, is very relevant to this time of year of anticipating the future. The whole concept of the Omer, as the Sefer Achinuch tells us, was initially not a time of mourning, but a time of anticipation. The Jews were counting to knowing the fact that the Torah would be given in seven weeks. Even the counting, and Rabbi Soloveitchik discusses this in an old piece in the Ara Mizrach, also on the back of Panini HaRav Rav Shechter, one of his classic works on the teachings and the Minhagim of the Rav, is that the counting of the Omer itself is not a Zecher L'Churban, but is aspirational, that we're kind of practicing reenacting for what will happen, reenactment of the past, but counting towards the future. And that's why afterwards we say, HaRachamon HaYachzolano Avodos Beis HaMikdash, that we shouldn't just be counting in theory, but we should be counting with the Omer being brought. We have this idea in many different places, even saying L'shana HaBab Yushalayim at the end of the Seder is not a mourning, but is an aspiration. So we should keep this in mind. And that's how I want to go back into our daf with Tuma and Tahara, that these are halachas of Hachana. You covered with Binyamin Pfeiffer and in your own learning, the washing of the hands, which is a practice that was accepted even 
for Chulun at the time of the Beis Hamikdash by certain Prushim, and that ended up tying in. That ends up tying in a little bit to what happens on Seder night. There we're washing not just for Chulun, but for something that came into contact with water, which again is a practice for what will happen in the future. These halachas are not just of the past, but God willing of the future as well. I wanted to tie in, as we try to be halacha lamasa in Yana Dioma, to another very fascinating connection that we could make between our daf and the halachas of Pesach. And this is going to come from a little bit of a strange place, but I think it's a very solid connection that we could make. The Gemara discusses here something that we've seen going back all the way to Daf Ches when these halachas were introduced at the end of last parak, that we have different categories of individuals when it comes to these halachas of Tummah and Tahara. Now we have seen certain individuals who are known as the Prushim. This is not the Prushim in the context of the Prushim and Sadukim, but people who take special stringencies upon themselves. But then you have two other categories. You look into some of the Rishonim and the Achronim, they break these categories down further, but the two general categories is you have people that are characterized as Chaverim. They have taken upon themselves to be experts in theory and in practice and in stringencies and being extremely particular in the halachas of Tumat Tahara. And then you have Amharatsim. Now, Amharatsim over here is not necessarily being used as a pejorative, but for people who are less trustworthy, less experienced, perhaps less studious when it comes to these halachas. Now, we will see, and this connects to Gemara and Daf Chavav, that Amaratsim are not people that don't have the ability to upgrade. We'll see that at the times of the Shalash Regalim, Amaratsim were able to be upgraded to being Chaveirim. And there are two basic reasons that were driving that. One is that in general they were more particular because they knew there would be guests coming from throughout Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara will say that already at this time, the Jews in what we call today Modian, and the Gemara is referred to as Modian, would be stricter. Plus, sometimes, as we see, the differences between Chaveirim and Amaratzim are able to be waived by Chazal in order to create a chibor, a connection. The Yerushalmi says in the third parak in Chagiga, using the pasuk of Yerushalayim, Ir Shechubra Yachtov, is that we need sometimes to waive the differences between Jews in order to create unity. Now, this would not be true if Amharatzim would be Rishayim. So they're not Rishayim who are going out of their way to violate the laws. They just may not be as proficient, experienced, and experts sometimes we'll upgrade them, either because they're actually upgrading their own approach or we'll waive some of the stringencies in order to bring the Jewish people together. And that's exactly what we find in our Gemara. The Gemara, in discussing one of the categories that we've addressed, and here it's Kodesh, discusses how 
an Amaaretz would be able to bring Kodesh to Kohanim. Now, Kohanim are obviously, especially those working in the base Hamigdash, they have to be Chaveirim. They even need a higher level than being Chaveirim because this is what they're doing. I wouldn't say professionally, but active in their Avodah Hashem. And the Gemara says, why is it that we're going to allow the Amaratsim to bring Kodesh to the Kohanim? And the Gemara says, Mishum Eva. We don't want to create conflict in Klai Yisrael. That Amaratsim, by definition, should be rejected. And therefore, there'll be a period. It's a very interesting term, Eva, because Eva is often the term that we'll find to loosen or at least to apply halachos differently in relationship with non-Jews because we're concerned with what we call today anti-Semitism if certain our behaviors would at least generate or be the tipping point for how we're being treated. In this context, it's Eva. Now, you have this in other contexts as well in halachos of Eidos. We don't have a separate system for Jews going to different courts. Everybody goes to the same court system. It's not just that we don't want to have Eva, but we also don't want to end up having anarchy, where you have different systems of law applying to different people. So this is a little bit of how we get into our Gemara. But now we're going to jump a little bit further. And now I'm going to take you a little bit on a tour to the Rambam, Hilchas Karban Pesach, and then we'll be able to connect this back to our Gemara. The way this connects to our Gemara is the Rambam in Hilkos Karban Pesach. I'm just using the Rambam here to summarize and bottom line the Gemara Meseches Pesachim. So the Rambam discusses a situation in Hilkos Karban Pesach. Now, I want you to note that Hilkos Karban Pesach deals with the 14th day of Nisan what we call Erev Pesach, but that's actually Pesach, Bizman Migdash. The Torah calls what we celebrate as Pesach Chag HaMatzos. That's from the 15th day of Nisan and on. And there was a Karban Chagiga that was brought. It's what we refer to in the beginning of this year. But when it came to the Karban Pesach, which is being discussed in Hitler's Karban Pesach, there was a need for a Minoy. A Minoy is a registry of who would be participating in the Sudas Karban Pesach. This on the surface sounds very exclusive. In fact, in many of the Haggadahs, they raise the question of how could we say at the Seder, Kol Dechven Yesev Yifsach, if in fact that was not allowed. By the time the Karban Pesach was being eaten, the guests had to already be part of the registry of the hosts. And that's why many suggest that this whole Halach Ma'anya, Kol Dechven Yesev Yifsach, is a din in Gullus. I pointed out last week that, according to the Ravon, brought down in the El Yerabah, called Dichvin Yesev Yifsach, is to the people sitting at your own table, at your own meal, which, of course, was so relevant this year when people had less guests. But the reason I'm bringing in Hilchus Karban Pesach and tying into our Gemara is our Gemara is going out of the way to talk about how there were times that because of Eva, we would loosen up some of the halachos, we would allow entry for an Amaaretz to give the Kodesh to the Karbanos. When it comes to Hilchus Karban Pesach, on the surface, it sounds very exclusive. Now, that's not enough of a kasha, because even in the halachas of Tumat Tahara and in Truma, on our daf itself, we don't see the same 
allowances. Now, the Gemara explains why you're not going to end up with Ava in Truma, because you're also going to have Amaratzim, who are able to be Makabel the Truma. So it won't be two worlds of the haves and the have-nots. But we still see some of these halachas could possibly create separation. But it's ironic that when it comes to Pesach, you have the separation. The Rambam discusses there, in Perik Bey's Halacha Bey's, even a situation where a person was not part of anyone's registry and would be able to satisfy the current Pesach alone if it's a situation where he's able to eat enough of the shear, because there's a certain shear that has to be consumed, but the Rambam clearly says that's not ideal. The reason I bring it in, and this I think is a very nice connection, and I think this will be reinforced later when we get to the mission of the Gemara and Daf Chavav, is that even within Hilchos Pesach, there was a certain flexibility that was built in. Now let me explain what's happening here. Many people have a practice. It's, it's actually a fascinating minhag. It's a minhag of what not to do. There's a minhag, it's I believe a Yiddish term, not to mish for the first seven days of Pesach, which means people would not have guests. They'd have family members, but they wouldn't have community guests for the first seven days. It's an old minhag. In fact, I saw brought down the Nite Gavriel. We're going to come back to him a little bit later, of Zinner who felt that maybe this is the reason why certain people would not even buy products that were manufactured outside, or maybe they shouldn't if they actually hold the halachas of mishing. Mishing is an assumption, the way it's typically explained, is because people have a very high standard of kashras when it comes to Pesach. It's a little bit challenging because there's a general assumption, it's actually brought down in the Shulchan Aruch in Yerdea, that people have a presumption of muhzak, of being muhzakin, of, of having a certain chazaka, and that's why we're generally able to eat in people's homes. So why should it be different for Pesach? So I always thought that maybe it was some kind of reenactment of what I said in the beginning over here, of the Rambam and Perik Beis, that we're kind of going back to some of the exclusivity of Bisman Hamigdash, almost reenacting what was happening over there. And it wasn't so much because of the concern of Kastros. Rev Zinner in the Nite Gavriel actually brings a different reason. He says that Pesach is the only Chag where the Torah doesn't go out of its way to reinforce that the community is going to be together. I could show you the exact source in Rev Zinner. He quotes this based on one of the Belzarebis. He's a Belzachasid. I think he quotes it from the fourth Belzarebis. But either way, there was this practice. However, and this is where I want to come full circle into what we've been discussing, the halachas of Mishing seem to be waived when it comes to the last day of Pesach. And my explanation of it is if you could show that if on one day of Pesach the whole community comes together, then we've addressed this Ava issue. You'd say the first seven days is for some technical reasons, some Chumar reasons. However, when it comes to the, the end, we're going to be able to create a certain unity, and that's what I want to explain. I just want to mention along these lines about this concern. I was reading a, a biography of Rav Palms, my father's Rebbe, and I've been studying a little bit about the history of the Yeshiva Taravadas. And in the Sefer, they mentioned Rapam, who was, of course, he was known as the, the young, uh, when he was a kid, he was known as the young Chavetz Chaim, not just because of his Torah knowledge, because of his Midas. 
So he learned this from his father. He said that when his father was a rub in Europe, he would bruck on Pesach, which means he would have gebrucks, but the community wouldn't. So he didn't openly have gebrucks, but in the privacy of his home. But he said there was a previous rav over there who was trying to show the Hasidim how wrong they were with this minute of gebrucks. He would put a big matzah ball in his uh, window. And Rav Palm's father said, this is not the way I'm going to practice my rabbanis, and he didn't act that way. So we're concerned this time of year, everyone has their own halachas and their own chumras, but as I'm going to show you, we're also concerned about the eva issue, and at least symbolically on Pesach, at the end of the Chag, which we're leading up to, bringing the people together. We have a number of sources how the last day of Pesach is going to be treated a little bit lighter. You even see this in the Shulchan Aruch discussing the issue of having dried fruits that people wouldn't eat the entire Pesach. The resistance to this is there seems to be Zilzul Yom Tov Sheni. But I saw a number of Svarim in the Nite Gavriel, which I've quoted uh, before, and in another Sefer, Minhag, a phenomenal Sefer, Sefer Minhag Taira Kahalacha, he brings down from a number of different Svarim including from the Tali Tzvi Harots in the Zera Kodesh, Volume 2, the Yom Tov Ha'achron Shal Pesach, Meira Alas Chabras Yisrael, that the last day of Pesach is the day of the unity of Yisrael, and therefore we're going to be a bit lenient. Some people wouldn't eat gebrachs during Pesach, but for the eighth day they would have gebrachs, and people who didn't mish would begin to mish. I saw an article on this topic a few years ago by Rabbi Yonah Reis, who's from the CRC. He doesn't get into the whole sugya the way we did today, comparing it to the Yama Aretz and to the Chaver, but he does bring down a fascinating source of why the last day especially. And he says that in the Hasidic tradition, the last day of Yom Tov is the Yom Tov of Mashiach. You can see this in the Sefer HaSichos, Belashan HaChodesh, Lashon HaKodesh, page 75 to 76. And he says, The day is set aside in eager anticipation of Mashiach's imminent arrival. On such a day, it is appropriate to have the mindset of the Messianic era, which will usher in the Beis HaMikdash. And again, we'll see later on, on Daf Chavav, a clear loosening up in the Shalash Regalim. And if Pesach is the exception then at least at the end of Pesach, for the end of the days we come together. Now, unfortunately, this year, we're recording this the year of COVID-19, 5780. It doesn't look like on Pesach we're going to be able to physically mish together, but at least virtually we should stay connected. We made so many efforts for the first day, and we should make the efforts for the last days as well. I will ask you to see an article by Rabbi Reese that I'm going to attach to the sources just to give you some extra reading for the last day of the Chag.